Hey everybody, Spencer here, producer of the podcast. Last Sunday, we had a very long, productive discussion. Uh, myself, Nick Cummings, and Aaron Thayer. And for listenability's sake, we're going to be dividing it into three parts, just trying that out, uh, relatively short discussions on uh, specific topics. So we're going to be giving you the last of these that we recorded first. It's a talk between Aaron Thayer and myself regarding the closure and firing of a lot of people and uh, brands at IGN. Here you are. Hope you enjoy. Zip Davis recently acquired IGN, and as of the 21st of this month, they shut down, or are winding down, I suppose is the precise terminology, 1UP, UGO, and GameSpy which is not an insubstantial uh, chunk of websites there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's fairly big news. I know a lot of gamers don't necessarily care about the gaming press, but, yeah, I mean, UGO has been around since 97, I think. One up since 2002, I want to say. 2003. 2003. Uh, GameSpy since the late 90s anyway. Um, they're really shitty multiplayer client aside. <laughs> Yeah, that's really substantial, and it kind of hit a nerve with us uh, here at Silicon Sasquatch, given that we're, you know, kind of amateurs who like to do this as a hobby and to gain writing experience. Well, I don't know that any of us really had any serious intentions on uh, on actually writing or recording for uh, gaming journalism. It It's still something to kind of give you pause. And actually, I guess I could refute what you just said. I always have uh, had that pipe dream in the back of my mind. Look, it's something that Electronic Gaming Monthly and the ones uh, I alluded to this in the backlog that we posted, it's something that's been part of my childhood. And having been to journalism school along with Doug and Nick, you know, we'd had this discussion years ago, um, right when we had started the website, that's when EGM first closed itself. Mm-hmm. So we we kind of had this weird undercurrent since we started what we're doing on an amateur level and for a hobby side. I think each of us uh, less now than four years ago, but I think I'm carrying the torch for that that one kind of just, well, I know we're not going to make money off of it or go work at some big website, but I kind of want to have that happen. Like that's always been at the back of my mind. All right, I, I will completely give you that. It's a it's a beautiful dream, and I've actually had it on and off, even though I never went to uh, to journalism school, specifically in my case with PC gamer, mm-hmm. um, computer gaming world, and to a certain extent, Maximum PC, though they're not really about games. Yeah, when you when you hear stuff like this, it it kind of, I mean, it puts the dream at risk, right? Yeah. Like if if actual experienced people in the industry are just kind of getting canned like crazy, then you know what? What else do you do besides just kind of soldier on and and keep doing what you think? Do you think this is maybe a little more seismic than we think? Like this is kind of indicating something about the state of games journalism in general. Will it move to a lot of smaller content? I, without uh, or at the risk of putting on my media uh, dissection hat and sounding like I know a lot of about an industry I really haven't been involved with since I was in college five years ago. I think it's still indicative of journalism and media creation as a whole right now. And that's a whole other discussion that, you know, we don't want to spend 
uh, a lot of time on because many other people have, and it's already a known factor. But specifically with games journalism, it's it's these publications, these three, running into the same issues that have been plaguing editorial since the inception of journalism that you have. And um, I'm going to reference here uh, a blog post that Doug shared with us uh, earlier this week after this happened from Patrick Miller, a pretty big or well-known at least games writer. He does stuff for Gama Sutra, has done a lot of other things. He does a whole dissection himself of why this happened. And if we're just kind of cutting down and paraphrasing what his really well-done post uh, is talking about, and we can link that, it's essentially the idea that you're always going to be competing for eyeballs, for for people who are not 99% of the time paying for the content that you make. So who does pay for that? And it's a very simple uh, lesson in journalism, advertising. You have an editorial department that creates all this stuff, but there is always constant pressure from the advertising arm of that publication because they want to sell eyeballs. They want to have a CPM, uh, the cost per thousand readers, uh, how many people you're actually getting for the money that the advertisers, like say, for instance, I don't know, NVIDIA, they take out an ad in PC Gamer. Well, they know that because that audience is a certain type of person and they know that they'll get this many uh, advertising credits for the money they've spent, etc. But it's not a perfect science. The great work that places like 1UP did, UGO and GameSpy, I can't really speak to. I haven't uh, looked at them for years, but 1UP specifically, they did great work. But it doesn't matter if the work is actually damn good journalism. It matters if the financial side has enough readership to validate its existence. And in this case, when IGN uh, and Ziff Davis was buying IGN uh, per J2 Global, I believe is the parent brand from News Corp. IGN was owned by News Corp for years. When they bought that, then clearly there wasn't an affordability there in its business. And you can't fault that. But again, having that dream, that journalistic dream and that video game love and stuff that all of us here at this website have enjoyed for years, see that once again just get kicked back down, it's depressing. Well, I feel like to a certain extent it's probably speaking to uh, a kind of flaw in the overall model Mm -hmm. that uh, print journalism and writing journalism has been experiencing for some time now. Well, actually, I I I would say that the leading edge of this is in uh, visual media, in television. Uh, And I'm going to kind of go on a brief rambling roundabout uh, description here, but... Go for it, brother. Consider, if you will, Netflix and the fact that our generation, um, for the most part, there, of course, there's variation there, but our generation, for the most part, is really focused on a la carte media. We want to pay 10 bucks a month for access to certain stuff and not have to go and get the $60 package with all of the channels and all of the advertising and everything. We're willing to pay for very specific uh, subscriptions. And that's what print journalism has not had for a long time with the rise of the internet, but it's going to eventually have to move back to. Mm-hmm. Currently, it's advertising-driven, and television, since its inception, was advertising-driven. I mean, cable came and made it subscription-based, but then it came right back to advertising. And that's not something that I would say is being responded to quite as well in the, uh, in the modern world. Uh, not to say advertising is not still a very big industry, which it is, but people are willing to pay a modest premium to not have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. 
that's kind of causing this whole shift where newspapers had to put all of their content online because, oh, well, we're losing subscriptions and we'll sell the advertising and the advertisers begin to pull out. And I, th- I think actually the Seattle Times recently uh, came out and said that they're going to start putting their stuff behind a paywall yeah, because they have to make revenue somehow. And subscription is back, I, I should say. Advertising only gets you so far and subscription's kind of coming back. So with these uh, with these major gaming websites... They had moved to a totally advertising-based model. Uh, the print publications were being shut down. I mean, EGM, GamePro... Is GamePro right? I think GamePro's right. Yeah. Nintendo Power have all been shut down. Games for Windows. Games back. for Windows. Wow, oh, God, what a grim <laughs> publication. But but yeah, yeah, precisely that. Do you think that there's anyone to blame for it? I think it's just how things are changing, right? Yeah, I don't think there's anyone to blame specifically. Like... Uh, it's easy to be mad at, at Ziff Davis, but ultimately, and this is something that I console myself with in a, uh, in what I consider to be a post-capitalist environment, but, uh, a corporation will only ever make a decision that makes it more money. There's no evil plotting maniacal thought at work there. There's no, you know, man with a handlebar mustache, like rubbing his hands together and, and going, oh, I'll really get them this time. No. <laughs> Unfortunately. All it comes down to is, does this make more money? Yes. Okay, we'll do it. And so that's what happened. And that's not anyone's fault. Yeah. I would not I would not at all say that that's anyone's fault. But that is the direction that things are moving in. That we're kind of moving to this more a la carte, individual, you know, pay-as-you-go right. type of model. And it's ironic that uh, we're talking about hyper-specialization, which is something that the curmudgeons uh, five years ago in uh, journalism classes, and I don't mean to bring it up again, just to try to have some egotistical <laughs> yes, I went. Yes, I went to journalism <laughs> school. I, so I, I bring it up as a frame of reference because these conversations were being had by general news outlets five, six, seven, eight years ago uh, when blogging really started to come up and um, social internet applications became popular. And it's still something they're obviously all grappling with, specific to the case of these three websites and IGN's um, acquisition here this this last month. It's it's ironic and funny, just, I guess, hilarious in a sad way to me that what we were told in school years ago was, you know, hey, remember general interest publications, stuff like Time, Newsweek, uh, the Saturday Evening Post, the stuff that in the 40s through the 70s and 80s, they had gigantic readership because that's what people did. They, there wasn't anything like live 24-hour news coverage to just get you the news and then you go off to read your special uh, magazine that's niche, that's specific to your interests. Everything was general. So the same thing happened to a media where they realized that they were losing content to hyper-specialization. So... Then we have stuff like gaming magazines start happening in the 80s, stuff that we read as kids. That was niche. But like you're saying, this a la carte idea and how tastes are even changing more and more rapidly, it's not a bad thing. So I don't think of it as a bad thing, but it is symptomatic of, well, now we have to think about how much more fragmented can these niche publications be to guarantee those eyeballs and that readership. Um, To borrow again from that Patrick Miller blog post, because he says it very succinctly, where does that writer, that editor, that designer go who's been in this industry of games journalism now that they've lost their job from this this change? They go to something like business-to-business publications that have always been profitable because 
you are focusing on people who are in a certain industry, who are successful, who need to know that information, and you tailor that content, and it's way easier to make revenue that way. Okay, so great, but you're not going to be doing posts about previews of games and stuff that is technically more fun. Or you become the uh, the personality, stuff like Giant Bomb, even Kotaku to an extent, people that have this this cult of personality that gets people to pay subscription fees or just go to them because I know this guy or gal, they're specifically who I like because they have a sense of humor. I mean, that seems to be where we're going. And then even breaking it down more, maybe you just do news articles about esports or about social gaming and all this stuff. Like that's where it's going. And these big archaic mastodons of sites like 1UP, UGO, and GameSpy just weren't built to do that anymore. Yeah, and that's kind of what everyone feared, that there would be, you know, personal, individual, tailored news. I mean, people kind of described Twitter mm -hmm. as as being that when it when it first released, which caused me to go, really? That sounds kind of stupid. <laughs> uh, but now, you know, five, six years later, we're in a reality where the big general publication, like Newsweek stopped printing, yeah, which is staggering to me. I won't say I grew up reading it, but I spent a good amount of my uh, my time in high school reading it and thinking, oh, well, this is kind of useful. Well, apparently not. And uh, where we're seeing general interest gaming sites broken up. And, you know, that's that's the direction things are going. I mean, I, I kind of think short of the internet going away tomorrow, that's probably the trend that's going to continue. Yeah, and like you said before, it's not a hand-wringing, um, dastardly plan by anybody. It's just the cold truth of, of how things change and no one can be mad at that. It's, it, it is still sad in a way to see the public trust of journalism change. It will always be there, but you're right. We have stuff like Twitter. We have stuff where even, you know, your buddy can do a YouTube channel and cover all the news that you would need to know. People could come to our website, which we're doing all this for free and get a general perspective of the industry news and opinion on that and not have to go to IGN even and read their stuff that they have to pay for. So there are a lot of open outlets now that are more democratized, which is great in a way. But for us who grew up more traditionally in our, our media consumption, it, it is a little bit depressing. So where do you think the floor is with hyper-specialization? Because mm -hmm. we're in an era where, you know, everyone's carrying around a what what amounts to a supercomputer in their pocket and everyone can write everyone can put things online and we're about to we're on the cusp of entering an era where uh, as we were discussing with the ps4 where everyone is streaming well then that's basically makes everyone a channel mm -hmm. anyone who wants to get on and start playing a game and talk about it then you can go directly to them and in the public space in the actual real world google glass is about to become uh, an actual product. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going into beta testing this year, and that's going to be people carrying a camera around with them at all times. Something that was previously constrained to, okay, well, set up the tripod, set up, yeah. Something that was the domain of specialists is now so prevalent, so sci-fi, that it's everywhere. Like, oh, I, I wonder what this person saw on their headset today. Mm -hmm. You can get that specialized. I think I risk sounding philosophical about that, but... We, we've gotten way <laughs> philosophical on this. I would not worry hey, about it. I think it. we've done a pretty good job of pulling it in and not being too insane. But you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to 
do it again. So go for it. I think that what we're seeing this this closure of these, uh, which is a, a little drop in the bucket of the whole landscape changing as time goes on. Which you know, I you were asking um, how where's the floor? I don't know, but I feel that it's actually a great thing to think about this. This is how media, news, intelligence, education, how a society, a democracy is supposed to work. The free and open sharing of information to everybody, not based on class, not based on creed or whatever. This has been the realization of that promise when this country started and others before that that invented the idea of an educated populace and the need for that. So them closing is just a growing pain in that movement towards everybody being informed about everything. And yes, we're just talking about gaming news, nothing that's uh, as heady as economic issues, worldwide hunger, uh, political policies, whatever. But I think that it's a good thing. Um, and I think that where it's going to go is having that kind of cult of personality of, of subscribing to one outlet, one person, someone that you get your information from because you agree with their tone, their pace, how they treat stuff, uh, news, reviews, previews, whatever. You like them, you trust them, so you just go with it. You don't think of it as trusting the publication anymore, like I trusted Time or something. I trust John Smith, the journalist, so I just go with him, which people have done in the past, etc. But I don't think it's bad. It's just kind of scary because then maybe you're not being fully informed or like you said, people sharing stuff on the PlayStation four, you know, you and your buddies can find this, this game breaking bug and already be informed way ahead of an outlet covering it. And maybe we would have known about shit like, uh, aliens, colonial Marines. God, I if wish. there was that sharing aspect of, Hey dude, I'm playing this game right now. This sucks. Do you know about this and that, et cetera? And not having to wait for a news cycle to blow it up, do previews, investigation and all that. So it's difficult for me to be okay with that, to not feel like the public trust of journalism is only in the hands of educated professionals, which we have seen in the past in several other instances is not always the right thing because they fuck it up too. But it's still something that part of me, I want to be in that industry. I want to be involved. I'm jealous of that. And it is scary for me to see it start going away in minuscule aspects and hyper-specialization is just going to keep, in my opinion, keep going. We're going to be reading stuff about this specific thing, about a specific damn game. I think that's just going to keep getting more and more specialized. And in conclusion, hack the planet. Yes. Well, there you have it. A breakdown of the changing media landscape and what that means in terms of video games. I'm Spencer Tordoff. And I'm Aaron Thayer. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next time. Thank you.